Hello and welcome to What We Couldn't Say on Sunday. I'm Ross and I'm here with Sam. And we're usually here, aren't we? Yep. yep. But today we have another person here with us. Super special guest. Travis, who preached his first sermon on Sunday to not a youth group and it went awesome. Yeah. And good. we're excited to get to talk to him about him, about that sermon and how it went. Yep. So, um, Travis, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And I just want to start off by asking you, what was your main point from Sunday? And just could you just give us a brief overview of your message? Sure. So the main point was that Jesus breaks every barrier to bring us peace with God and each other. Um, and uh, basically uh, went through the text and, and how it showed that... Um, that Jesus did that and how he did that. Um, and then some applications uh, based off one, uh, how does God, um, or or how can we image uh, Jesus the way he um, left heaven and came and sought the lost, those far from God. And then second, how do we, how do we still think about uh, remaining hostility uh, between each other? Uh, so yeah, that's pretty much it. That's good. That's great. And, um, as you know, there's only a limited amount of time up there when you're preaching and you can't say everything you want to say. Um, what was something you couldn't say on Sunday? Something that you had to cut out from the message, but you wish you had time to share with our people? There's a uh, one... Uh, well, first, it, it goes a bit into um, the temple analogy. It would have been really fun to kind of dig more into um, what the temple looks like and uh, what that would have meant for the original reader since we're so far removed um, from it. And so um, in some of my uh, research, um, there's four courts uh, in the temple, um, the, court of the uh, court of the priests, and then further outside that, the court of Israel, which is just men. And so I, w- I would have loved to address something about men and women also. Hmm. Um, That's good. Uh, and then the court of women, um, which uh, is outside that. And then the very last one would be um, the court of the Gentiles. So just to um, show that even more um, how far outside of the temple um, and the worship of God was. Um, I could not say that on Sunday. So that was something that, uh, that I wanted to share. And also, um, the other thing that I cut out... Wait, wait. Let's, that, I think that's really okay, beautiful. Go for it. <laughs> well, can, you, can you press into that? Like, why, why do you think that's significant? Those four layers, and then why, why is that special for us who don't have those four courts, nor a physical temple? <laughs> Yeah, um, the uh, verse that I um, that I was thinking of is there is no longer slave mm. uh, or, or or barbarian, mm. um, uh, or no male or female, male or female um, but we're all one in Christ, and so that takes that whole um, court system and basically demolishes it, so that we are all. I mean, we're a kingdom of priests, so right. You know, technically, we're, we're in the uh, we are in the court of priests because. Um, because of Jesus. And so he takes us, no matter where you fall in line, you know, by birth, basically, um, Jesus comes and breaks those barriers and brings you right to himself. That's so um, those, was that answering the question? Yeah, I, I think so. That's great. Yeah. Which is, I mean, in our culture, especially that, that it's just such a hot topic in our culture, especially now talking about gender inequality and the need for equal opportunities um, equal or, pay. or equal pay or e- even equal outcome, no matter what you do. or yeah. um, we, we don't need to get into that. But it's just beautiful that um, the gospel and what Jesus does separates the walls between men and women. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, there, there, or I, I, tears down the walls. Tear, so, did, did, I, did I create another layer? Yeah. The gospel creates more division uh, between men and women. But no, it actually tears down these walls because I, I, I cannot think of any Old Testament passage that talks about having multiple courts like that. It, I do understand that there's a difference between where the priest can be for sacrifices and obviously the Holy of Holies and the, and, and, and the Day of Atonement. But when it comes to having a separate sphere for women, mm. I, I think that's a man-made thing that was displeasing to God. So because of Jesus, he's tore that down. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm doing this off the cuff, but I can't think of any regulation in the Levitical law that separated women at another layer away from the temple. That is a great question. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but at the very least, you have the priests and the high priests who can only be men Mm -hmm. who are going into the holy places in the temple. Right. And so at at the very least... There is some division between men and women in the Old Testament. It's true that Christ is overcoming. Yep. yep. And um, and now women can be our priests. Women are priests. Men and priests. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And um, yeah, so I, I would see some of that there. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't see it as clear cut like the court of the Gentiles. That I, I you see that happening in Acts, but you don't even see. I don't. I don't see God setting that up sure. that way. Sure. Um, I, I for sure there's distinction between Jew and Gentile, but the amount of extra separation and um, it was seemed to be coming from a, a heart of prejudice rather than a heart of faithfulness. Yeah. So like the Jewish nation wasn't being the representatives they should be right. to, right. to the nations. They, they were actually withdrawing from the nations by creating these extra things. Yeah, I think so. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, the so in Mark, the passage about the uh, fig tree withering, and then he goes into the temple and he's, you know, flipping things left and right, Jesus. And, and then he talks about this should be a house of prayer. You turn it into a den of robbers. Den of robbers, right? What's yeah. his big issue? The big issue is that actually in a place where people were supposed to have access to God, they've turned into a place of commerce and a place that distracts from God and gives separation, makes it harder for people to be with God and to worship him and connect with him. Sure. And so um, it was an indictment towards them. Um that, that they were making it, they were separating from the Gentiles. So um, that's my read from that text in Mark. Um, and so, yeah, it's just Jesus is tearing down all of these walls, which is so beautiful. Yeah. And also just another point on the temple um, is that after Jesus, there's a transition from the place where God is found being a building to a people. And I always get dinged on this by Sam because I always say, let's go to church, as in, like, the church is a building. And it's like it's like we haven't totally made this transition in our minds. Like, we call the, yeah, the room good. where we worship the sanctuary as right. if God is, like, present in the place with the pews. Right. That's um, right. But, but really, it's, it's where his people are that's is right. where God dwells. And that's, that's a huge point in the transition from Old Covenant, Law Covenant, to New Covenant, Grace mm-hmm. Covenant is that God is, is with the people and there isn't any particular geographic location where he is mm. and, not, and not in another geographic location. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, That's I, right. Which is kind of makes me think about that conversation Jesus has with the Samaritan woman about, you know, worship in spirit and truth. And she's confused. Is, is, is the holy place Jerusalem, you know, or, or, or Mount Moriah or is it... Or is it Mount Gerizim, you know, and, and it's like, no, like, like it's going to completely transcend. And as we talked about, like, I think it was the first sermon. 
I preach at All People's Church about God's presence. Yeah. Is that ultimately His presence is going to be fill? It's going to fill Habakkuk. This is the glory of God is going to fill the earth at, like water covers the sea, which is totality completely. Right. Um, so yeah, it's a beautiful thing. We're still transitioning. That's right. And we're going to transition again. That's right. Sense. Yeah. And quick preview for my sermon: <laughs> if if the people is where God dwells. What kind of attitude should we have for the people mm. that we go to church with? It's good. Um, but more on that this Sunday. Um, Travis, is there anything else you wanted to, to say? Yeah, I think you were transitioning to something else. Oh, yeah. yeah I just, uh, one thing I left out um, uh, because of time was just an illustration at the very, um, toward the end, I think, of the sermon. Um, just that. Uh, the, how the spirit empowers um, his people, and so, um, so, my, my application was to live like Jesus, um, and uh, by empowered through the spirit. And so I sort of just said it, um, but there's a very real part where we are unable to do this mm-hmm. um, apart from the spirit of God. And so, um, to really highlight that, um, I wanted to just. Uh, illustrate that um, we have the same spirit that Jesus had, like the same spirit. And I was going to make an illustration where I had a tree branch fall down in my ho- at my house and I had to cut it up. So there's, there was work to do. I had to cut up this this uh, big giant tree with all of its branches and I borrowed a chainsaw wow. from my neighbor. Nice. And I was, I was you know, out there and, and uh, getting this funny? thing done. Yeah, it was super fun. <laughs> and guess, and, and my son Atticus came out and he had eyes huge, you know, and, yeah, and he yeah. wanted to try. Of course he did. And I was like, yeah, go for it. You know, let's do it. Oh, and so, um, you know, under my supervision right. and uh, he got it out and, and I was, and I, I had my hands like on his hands and we chopped some, some of the twigs off. And, and so very similarly, you know, there's this job to do and I, and I, it's ultimately up to me to do it. Like the responsibility is on me and I'm, I'm going to make sure it gets done. Yeah. But when my son comes and he wants to be part of it, yeah. you know, I say, yeah, go for it. Jump in here. Yeah, and I yeah. invite him into, into my work, what That's I'm good. doing. And then, you know, the, the, the power that I have to chop off these branches, I basically give to him. Yeah. I give it to him and then he, he's got the spirit, you know, he's got the power to chop off these branches and right. he may not know how to wield it, That's good. you know, the way that I do. But um, so it's it's similar. Like I want him to enjoy mm. the work that I'm doing, and I invite him into it. And and <laughs> one day, hopefully, he's chopping up the whole tree. <laughs> and I'm not doing it. Um, that's great. But, so yeah, that's a great illustration. I love it. And I think it really gets to um, I think the essence of the difference between us and the world when we talk about diversity, because what I hear from the world is, you know, there's divisions in society. You guys aren't doing a good job loving each other. And they're right to say that. But usually the solution is just a lecture, like this is what you've done wrong, or a command like you need to do this better, or a new law or a policy to try to say, we're going to force this to happen. Where the answer the Bible gives is that Jesus has done it, and you just need to live it out by his power. And so we're actually trying to have this kind of new community, new love, new diversity. But we have a power outside of ourselves that's empowering us to do it, Mm -hmm. rather than just having to rely on sheer willpower or force or whatever else you can depend on to see it come about. Mm-hmm. So it's good. Verse 22 in chapter 20, uh, chapter two in Ephesians is one that you touched on, but you had a long passage, but um, so you couldn't go in depth, but in him, you also are being built together 
into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so notice it's in him. So talk about the union with Christ that we've seen through, throughout Ephesians. Yep. And it's done for the purpose of God, for God, but it's by the Spirit. Which is really interesting because if he didn't say by the Spirit, and if you took out all the other passages that talk about the Spirit in the Bible, you kind of walk away with the impression that, hey, like, you got to be the pure bride. Be the pure bride. you got to be the temple. Become the temple. And if, and if it's merely that and it, you don't have the power to do that, you don't have the resources given by God, then it's an impossible task. Mm-hmm. Who, who of us is worthy to be worthy to be part of a temple? God's temple. Like that's just we're not we're not good enough we're not pure enough we're not beautiful enough I mean you just think about what kind of God obviously this is metaphorical but the kind of beauty of the of God's temple what what he would he deserves right. and we can't do that and that's why it's by the Spirit and it's in Christ it's by that by our connection with Christ and now that we are righteous because of Christ right. not because we're alone on ourselves and Christ has given us some power that we have but it's because we're d- directly tethered to Him Amen that's so good. Yeah, I love that image, and um, maybe we'll fit a future sermon. <laughs> I thought it was going to go somewhere else. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like, and then Atticus, like, you know, almost cut my arm off. You know, then it, was, it was great. It was beautiful. Yeah, that's right. Okay, well, we do have a question to answer this week. Great. Um, you'll tell very quickly that this question is from a Bethlehem student. Um, it actually is a really good question. Um, so you had one, one remark in your sermon. You said that... Um, all the Old Testament promises are, are yes in Jesus, um, which... Well, you didn't say that exactly. Yeah, what did you say? <laughs> uh, that because you are identified now as God's people, that when God gives a promise to his people, you can claim it because you are now part of God. You are now part of God's people. That's right. Yeah, and I think that's true. I think that's beautiful. Um, and it could use a little more nuance. Um, it's obviously a very... Um, can be a very contentious issue about how do we read the Old Testament promises in relationship to Christians. And here's what someone wrote. Um, not all and every promise in the Old Testament is ours acclaimed. Ours acclaimed. Eschatological ones, yes. I know what he means, though. Make sure those promises are ours by proxy of Christ, specifically to avoid replacement theology, and if holding to progressive covenantalism, then they must be sure to see that it is through our relation to Christ as he is the fulfillment, the true Israel. Maybe we should have read that word for word. Wow. That, yeah, yeah, we should have probably paraphrased that because now we have to like define everything. So paraphrase. Let's scratch that. Let's yeah. paraphrase of the question. Um, so how, how can we claim every promise? In what way can we claim promises in the Old Testament? Um, I'm going to quote Paul. Second, Second Corinthians 1 says, all the promises of God are yes in Jesus. Um, how are the promises in the Old Testament ours, and in what way can we claim them? Mm. Well, um, yeah, I, I opened a bit of a can of worms, I think, uh, the way I said it. Um, and so clearly I, we could, I could not unpack. I mean, several sermons probably um, would do more justice um, than that piece of it. So my main, the main point uh, that I was trying to make was that uh, in principle – that um, when God makes a promise in the Old Testament to his people... To Israel. Uh, to Israel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that same spirit, um, that same heart toward those people is yours because you are now his people. Um, and so uh, obviously things are... It's not, a one, it's not a one-to-one. Like every single promise is, your, is for sure 
um, direct directly yours because things have changed since uh, since the cross. And so I probably would not have said it like that um, in hindsight. Um, but um, yeah, so here's here's a like kind of a case study. Deuteronomy twenty eight is a really powerful passage because it kind of goes over blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience for the Israelites. Sure. And um, like here's an here's one verse. Twenty eight seven. Yahweh will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. So does that mean for us as New Covenant Christians that if all the promises are yes in Christ, does that mean that if we have an enemy who will come against us, then therefore they will flee from us? And so you don't want to mess with us. Mm -hmm. That'll preach right there. But (laughs) is it true? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, it is true. Um, yeah. The, the How new- come I've lost the fight before? I'm just kidding. All right. That's a great question. <laughs> yes. I have not lost a fight since I've become a Christian. So, <laughs> nor have I fought. That's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So every every promise for us is true in Jesus, and I think Trav made a very important point when he says not directly. Because the way that the promises apply to us is always through Jesus. Mm -hmm. So God made promises to Israel. Jesus comes as the faithful Israelite, the true Israel. Jesus fulfills everything that the nation was supposed to be. And he's the recipient of all the promises. Every promise is yes to Jesus. But as we trust in Jesus and we're incorporated into him as his brothers in Christ, we become recipients of those same promises but it's through the lens of Christ. So sometimes the promises change. They change. They're not exactly fulfilled A for A. Mm. And so that verse says that that God will bring curses against your enemies. Mm -hmm. Well, can a Christian lose a fight? Could I lose a fight? Absolutely. But... I don't believe it, Ross. <laughs> There's no way I can see you ever losing a fight. You're seeing me on the basketball court. Yeah. I, so... Hypothetically speaking, I could lose a fight. Okay. And but how and maybe it was an maybe I was just beat up for being a Christian. Sure. But at the end of the day, Romans 12, God re, re, says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. And there is a final judgment coming where the righteous and the unrighteous will stand before the judgment seat of God. And God will punish the unrighteous according to those deeds, including the things that they did to me that they shouldn't have done. And because I'm in Jesus, that's true. That's the only reason that's true. And, and so there is a coming age where all of God's promises will become true, as literally as they're stated in the Old Testament. But we have to wait for that time, and they only come true because we're in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it takes thinking. There's no, there's no promise that you don't have to think about how it transforms when, for us when it comes to us through Jesus. Because the, the era we're in has changed. There was an Old Testament era that was marked by a physical nation in a physical land. Now there's a New Testament era where it's a spiritual people who are regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And they're everywhere. And they're everywhere. There's, they're not restrained to a single land. Or ethnicity. Or ethnicity. That's right. Yeah, and yeah. Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were of this world, my servants would fight with the sword. Yeah. But it, because it is not of this world, they don't. Mm. 
And so there, there's a change between Old Testament, we fight against our enemies, to New Testament, we suffer and serve our enemies. It's good. But that never means that we ever neglect a promise or can't claim it for ourselves. Um, I think one of my favorite examples of this is um, in Hebrews uh, chapter 13. Um, oh, that's about to be in my Bible reading. Yeah, so, so verse 5 says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Mm. So the reason that we're free from the love of money and we can be content with what we have is because we have something greater than that, God's presence. Mm. And those words that he's, that promise that he's quoting is actually, that's spoken to Joshua Mm -hmm. in the book of Joshua. And so the writer of Hebrews thinks that that promise is for him. And I wouldn't ever want to, to rob Christians of their Old Testament by saying these promises aren't for you when the New Testament mm-hmm. clearly thinks like they are. Mm-hmm. So. The question asker, asker mentioned eschatologically yes, right? So what, what do we mean by that? Because all that you're saying is good and true, but the question of when is still not being we, – we should camp on that for at least a minute. Okay. Right? Yeah, so um, I would absolutely say that right now we're in something called the overlap of the ages, which means that the old age from the old from when the w- world fell into sin is still lingering on, and the new age is breaking in through Jesus, the new age when Christ restores everything. And so every promise, I view it as having a double fulfillment. It has a fulfillment for God's people when Jesus rises from the dead, on a spiritual level, not always mm-hmm. a visible physical level. Right. And then a more complete fulfillment at the final resurrection yeah. when the promise will become more tangibly true. It's not less true now. It's just true in a different way. And um, that deals with the period of history that, that we're living in. And so when, when God says that um, in Deuteronomy 28, he promises vast amount of riches for obedience. Mm riches for obedience. I believe that I get real rewards in this life for obeying God. It might not look like a million bucks. It might not look like a sports car. It might not look like a beautiful wife. But I believe that I will get rewards, spiritual rewards, Mm -hmm. other rewards that come to me in ways that I would never expect. Mm. But I also believe that in new heavens and new earth, when I'm with you brothers there, that those rewards will be tangible. Just like Deuteronomy is talking about, more tangible in a different way. So it will look like real wealth, real sovereignty over creation with God, right. real possession of those things. And so I really think the key, the key to kind of understanding this is where we're at in redemptive history, seeing the flow of redemptive history, and seeing the, the disparity between Christ's two comings. He comes first time in humility, second time in power, and there's actually a difference between those two comings. And, and, and understanding that we're positioned in between those two companies in a very almost like a dense period of history that we're living in um, is, is I think you need to situate yourself before you start to understand God's promises. What do you mean dense? Well, it's like, like it's, it's more complex, I feel like, than the era right. that's coming where it'll just be God's reigning with his people. Like there's not right. a whole lot of complexity there. Like, it's just like God says, you get this, you get it. It's that simple. Right now, there's a tension. Um, We're alive. Like, 
Ephesians says, all the, um, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing right now. Mm-hmm. But we're, we face persecution. We face suffering. We face the curse of our, of our own sin and fallen creation. And so the era we're living in right now is both eras somehow coexisting. It's not just the new era yet. Sure. And so, um, so what would you say to someone who talks about Israel and the importance of ethnic, uh, sorry, uh, geographical boundaries and the promises God gives in the Old Testament to Israel? Travis or uh, Ross, what would you guys say to that person who said, hey, we got to make sure Palestine doesn't take more than they should? Yeah. Um, do you have any quick thoughts on that, Travis? <laughs> uh, I have thoughts. I don't know how um, how articulate I would be with them, but um, it, it seems um, that I would say no. Um, yeah. that we don't need to be um, to think that way. Um, uh, that there is a an already not yet type of um, thing happening where the land issue nation issue uh, is going to be dealt with um, in the future and it's not it doesn't mean right now like at this very moment mm-hmm. um, that that the land is ours right now um, like that specific land we should kick everyone else out um, that type of thing because sure. it will be ours uh, right. in the future like the whole the whole earth will be ours and so right. we, we do better fulfillment. yeah right and yeah I, I totally agree with you and just even want to add that this is an issue because God promises the land to Abraham, and so that's a promise in the Old Testament. And a lot of people said that God never revoked that promise to Abraham and his descendants, and so that geographical space in Israel is still theirs today, and they have a legal theological claim to that land. And so, and I'm not here to comment on the politics of who that should belong to, but I would certainly disagree with that theological point because. The true people of God are defined by those who are in Jesus. That's, that's the ultimate recipients of God's promises, whether you're Jew or Gentile. That's the transition that happens at the cross. Mm-hmm. Paul even says in Romans 9, not all Israel are Israel. Mm-hmm. So there's a distinction in Israel, and the true Israel can include Gentiles who believe in faith. It's not that we replace Israel, it's we become a part of Israel. That's the gospel. That's the gospel that we, through Jesus, become a part of the lineage of Abraham right. and, and receive those blessings. What you just said, I think, is more accurate than saying we become Israel. Like, we, we become a spiritual Israel in one sense, right? Yeah. But, like, when we go to Romans 14, it's like Abraham's line, which has overflows out of Abraham's line, is Israel. And then we Gentiles are grafted into that same line. Right. But, but the line isn't Israel. The line is, like, Abraham's line. Like, it's, like, one step removed. Sure. You with me there? Like, I don't think we've had this conversation, but I, that's kind of where I go. The line of promise, sir. Is that right, it? right, right. Yeah. Rather than Israel specifically. Israel is part of that line, but isn't the primary line, if that makes sense. Israel is one of the branches. I never heard that distinction before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I may, yeah, I, I don't see a lot of people say that. But yeah. when I look at Romans um, 11, I said 14, I think, right? Yeah. 11. Um, it talks about the um, natural branches and then we natural branches equals Israel and Gentiles are the wild branch that is like brought in right this is agricultural language and I don't know how that works but you can apparently take a foreign branch and bring it into a 
plant? You can. I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, the Bible says so. I guess you can get a PhD in that. <laughs> yes. Horticulture. Something like something like that. Something similar to that. But um, so the way I think about it is is that there, although Israel is natively growing out, I think about um, like Abraham's line being like in my head. I think about it being like more the trunk. Um, I know that sounds silly. So Abraham is a trunk and Israel are the branches? Yeah. 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 I think everyone says that, right? Yeah, but I that, but that's why I just I, I want to make sure the emphasis is not like I don't think Israel was ever plan A. Like like the ultimate goal. No, right? Jesus is the ultimate right, goal. Right, right. And it, it flows out of Abraham's line. So that's why I want to emphasize Abraham's line, the the promise line rather than Israel. Sure. Like we're all we're all as good as Israel now. That that's like I feel like that's kind of take goes away from the text. Yeah, this issue gets really confusing, and I think the ultimate question is who is in the people of God. Yeah, that's right. And that's before right. it was an ethnic people, now it's a people defined by faith. Right. And um, root and, root is the better word, not trunk. So Abraham is the root. Yeah, kind of Abraham's line is the root. God's God, that's God's covenant people. Right. right? Line of Seth, and yep. then where Israel is brought into that. Israel grows out of that because ethnically it's connected. Yes. We're not ethnically connected, so that we're brought into it. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I haven't looked at this text in a, in a minute. So. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. And then just, we almost need to have a whole another podcast for this. This is um, a really complicated issue. But when God made the promises to Abraham, Abraham himself was seeing a trajectory beyond those literal promises. Because if you read Romans 4.13, it says, For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through righteousness and faith. So Abraham believed he would be the inheritor of the world, not just a little sliver of land. Yeah. And so when, when God is promising offspring and lineage, it's ultimately about the new creation. It's like, this is, this is on the pathway to the new creation. Mm. And as Christians, we might not inherit this, the step towards the new creation, but we inherit the new creation. And, um, and for anyone who says, oh, but what about that promise made to Israel? Well, if they believe in Jesus through faith, they'll get the new creation. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at on that. And that we, as unnatural branches, get to have it along with them. And so, um, yeah, I don't think Israel's getting cheated out of anything. Mm-hmm. Because anyone who tr- any Jew who trusts in Jesus will get the whole world at the end of time. Good. Um, so I, that's how I'm seeing it, as, as ultimately belonging to Jesus, ultimately being the new creation, and ultimately being anyone who comes to him in faith, Jew or Gentile, mm-hmm. with no special plan B for a Jew, no special, like, weird... Um, eschatological um, fulfillment for the Jew, but the same fulfillment for all God's children because we're fellow heirs with, with each other. It's good. Yeah. Let's wrap this up, kind of put a bow on it. Great. Um, so there was another question that was submitted. Yep. Um, we, sh- we, we probably don't have time for that. And we're going to do it next week. Yes, we'll have to. Because, we'll, we'll, because we already had such great things to talk about. Yeah. Any final thoughts, Travis? No, no. Thankful, thankful to be uh, for the opportunity to preach the word. So, 
Well, thank you. We yeah. look forward to hearing you preach again. Yeah, first of many. And um, yeah, yeah, this is a, this is a good time. It's good to have another person. That's right. Come it, back again. It's kind of lonely at the office, just me and Ross. So <laughs> it sure does. And, and by the way, for any members, you guys are always welcome to come by at the office. We're here usually at least six days a week. Somebody is here, and if you have work for work um, or school or anything, you, you're welcome to come during the day. And we and, love that lunch with people. Yeah. Or just hang out, especially if you bring it. But bring we'll, a lunch. We'll we'll buy your lunch too if. Uh, but not if you come every day. So I uh, just want to throw that out. You guys are welcome to come and do work with us. We're at Jar Cafe. Just look it up on Google. Yep, Jar Cafe. We have an office in the back. So it's J-A-U-R. Yep, just, just as you are. Yeah, that's right. Um, wow. Awesome. We better wrap this up, yeah, boys. Okay. This is over. <laughs> All right. We're going to see each other tonight. Yep. See everyone later. Bye.